1: Panther fans who want to keep pounding. For the war, the war, the war, the war, the war, the war, the ones who want an inside look at the vault. This, this is, this, this, this is Views is from Mint Street. From now, here's your host Lonzo
0: Wrightsell and Rob Brown.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, yet another edition of the Views from Mint Street podcast comes your way right now. Your home for Carolina Panther football talk across the internets around the world, Welcome in. My name is Rob Brown, host of the Rob Brown Show in Greenville, South Carolina, right here in the heart of Panthers country. And joining me as always, my co-host, my commander in chief, my partner in crime, the great one Lonzo Reitzel here as well. And you know, Lonzo, I just wish we had something to talk about. I just wish there was some topics to get to on the pod today.
0: Yeah, nothing going on. Business as usual. Uh, Things going as they do week after week. Nothing going on at all.
1: Nothing. It's just been a snoozer. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a new interim head coach. His name is Steve Wilkes. And we're working on a new defensive coordinator because Phil Snow is out as well. And, of course, they fired Phil Snow like minutes after we got done recording the Monday edition of the pod. So we bring you the Wednesday edition of the pod with some new no's and notes, including the fact that Phil Snow is out, the defensive coordinator, who, for all we can tell, has been a package deal with Matt Rule, has been attached to the hip with Matt Rule. We heard the anecdotes going around a couple of months ago. And again, take them not with a grain of salt, but with the full shaker, that Phil Snow was so attached to the hip to Matt Rule that at least on one occasion, again, an anecdotal report of which there is no hard evidence, but, you know, it's worth talking about, that at least at one occasion, David Tepper called Matt Rule into his office to discuss team business. Phil Snow came with him, and Tepper had to dismiss Phil Snow... In order to have a one-on-one conversation with Matt Rule. In fact, I was looking at the Panthers Reddit earlier. Take it also. I was looking earlier at the Panthers Reddit, and there are some Panther conspiracy theorists that believe that Phil Snow was actually calling the shots. He was the, the, the master of puppets, and Matt Rule was no more than a useful idiot for Phil Snow. I don't know that I believe that. I don't really think that that's the case. I would think if Phil Snow was that good at manipulating people, Phil Snow would have been in a better situation than Carolina, at least the way it was under Matt Rule. Either way, Phil Snow is out. I, I am currently working under the assumption that Steve Wilkes is going to serve as a de facto defensive coordinator. We'll kind of be in charge of his own defense, considering that's the side of the ball that he comes from. But when it comes down to it, Phil Snow was was hand in hand with Matt Rule. Matt Rule was gone. David Tepper told us in his press conference, Lonzo, you watched the whole presser, uh, that who stays and who goes was up to uh was up to 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 the new defensive, to the new head coach, the new interim head coach Steve Wilkes. And if that is the case, and if Steve Wilkes and Phil Snow butted heads as we know that they did, because we saw it happen at practice at least once. It's not really that big of a shock that snow followed rule out the door.
0: No, it's not. And uh you know, as a general rule, head coaches, whoever they are, they've got they've got their own guys. They've got guys who travel with them everywhere they go. Uh if they've been a head coach for a while, whether it's college or NFL or both, they bring their guys in cuz you know, you got guys that you trust, you you work well together, so you bring them around. I just the the thing about him possibly bringing snow to him with a meeting that he wasn't called to, that's that's just kind of weird. Um, that that makes it sound like you can't speak for yourself. And uh, it, a lot of people would say, see, that's probably what I thought uh, about Matt Rule, that he's that kind of guy. The other thing is, is this just the tip of the iceberg as far as the firing of assistant coaches goes, or is that it? it? Uh, is he going to interview the guys that are left? You would guess he would know you know, what he's got with who's there? And does he have some other people in mind? Because he's been a head coach in the NFL before, and maybe some of those assistant coaches that he had already built up a uh, a, a relationship with, he can bring them in and get rid of other guys. And if you do, uh, how long does it take to uh, put an entirely new system in? Especially if you were to do that for the offense. Please do that
1: for the offense. (laughs) Uh, As of right now, Ben McAdoo is staying on board as the offensive coordinator, though obviously things are a bit tumultuous right now. So that could change down the line. We will see. But my question mark about that side of the football is a very simple one. Is Steve Wilkes the guy that would be willing to, when he feels the time is right, overrule play calling from Ben McAdoo, right? Like if, if, if we get, if we continue to stay in that routine of generic play calling, not taking advantage of the talent that we have, having wide receivers run routes that maybe they aren't the right receiver to fit into that slot at that time. Will Steve Wilkes be the guy a that's willing to and be more importantly. And I think it's a fair question to ask Is Steve Wilkes a guy who knows enough about running an offense that we would trust him in that case, right? Is Wilkes a guy that is a smart enough offensive mind to be able to look at what Ben McAdoo is going and say, you know what, that's not the right play call, that's not the right guy to put in that situation, this isn't the right setup, we're running to the wrong side of the field, etc., etc., Is he going to be the guy that A, knows enough to say, that ain't it, boss, and then B, call up to Ben McAdoo and go, no, 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 I'm overruling that play call, call this instead, or run this scheme instead. If so, maybe we got something brewing here. If not, then I expect the defense to get better, but we might find ourselves six weeks down the road in the same spot.
0: So, I, I get why you expect the defense to get better, but what if it doesn't? What if it gets worse because he just fired a defensive coordinator? Uh, what What if he starts to change schemes on things that were that were working, changing it to something that he's more comfortable with, and it doesn't work? Because yes, the team can get worse. It is possible. It, so, it is definitely possible. But as far as having enough. Um, I don't know guts or or whatever you want to how you want to word it to go. Hey, no, I want I want you to run the ball. First thing he did was fire people when when he became head yeah, coach. I think I think that shows that that he's willing to go and, and do what needs to be done. Now, will he recognize what needs to be done? Being a defensive guy, looking at the offense and going, okay, here's what we how we need to fix it, or will he go, hey, you're on the offensive side, you take care of it.
1: That's fair. That's very fair. I think that it's uh I think that it's an interesting spot that Steve Wilkes finds himself in here as a as a defensive guy. We do know that he has been the head coach of a team before. He was three and thirteen. Remember when he was three and thirteen as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, he had very little say in the decision making process. That is why today. Cardinals fans will still tell you he got a raw deal with Arizona in his single year as a head coach at 3-13. and He had Josh Rosen as his starting quarterback. That's not the guy he wanted. That's the guy he was told that he is going to work with. Now, obviously, he finds himself already a little bit behind the eight ball here because Baker's now in a walking boot. Sam Darnold is likely still at least three weeks out from being ready. The only other guy left is P.J. Walker. And when I say the only other guy left, I mean literally the only other quarterback left on the roster right now is P.J. Walker, which means that's who Steve Wilkes is getting the offense started with on the road at the defending Super Bowl champions is P.J. Walker. So it is going to take, I think, a mighty effort from Steve Wilkes this week as far as I'm concerned. This week is not going. Is not a week I'm going to evaluate based on the product on the field. I don't expect much this weekend. We're an 11 and a half point underdog at LA, and I'm going to tell you right now. I'm thinking about taking the Rams, despite how bad they looked against a very good Cowboys team. I'm thinking about taking the Rams as an 11 and a half point favorite because this week is not evaluation on the field. This week is between now and Sunday. Are there any catastrophes? Do we have any locker room blowups? Do we have any players that start to speak out a turn and create drama? Is the coaching staff, when they roll out on Sunday, are they walking arm in arm or are we going to have some backstage heat that we never hear about? This week, as far as I am concerned, Zoe, is all about seeing Steve Wilks, the manager, the organizational manager. Can he get this team pointed in the right direction despite the fact that we are a nearly a dozen-point dog on the road?
0: Uh, I don't know that he can, and how can he do it uh, with the limited personnel that he's going to have? I don't think this is a true sign of what he is or or what the Panthers could be under him until you at least get uh, Baker or Sam Darnold back. Uh, I mean, without one of those guys then you're going with your third string quarterback as the starter and we saw what he could do we saw what Walker could do last year he's got some things that he can do well but for the most part he's a third stringer for a reason so you're coming in with third string possibly still missing some guys on defense which was your strong point uh so so what do you do it, it's not i don't now if you come in with the third string quarterback missing some guys on defense and you win the game then I guess you're showing something.
1: So one thing that's interesting about the Phil Snow decision here uh, is, and we mentioned this a minute ago, Steve Wilkes and Phil Snow from all, of course, uh, all reports did not get along. They, they They disagreed on the offense. They butted heads over it. Phil Snow, though it is successful, has run a very college football-style kind of simplified defense. And I think you can get away with that in Carolina because of how good the talent is, right? When you've got Burns and Grossmados up front, Brown in the middle, when you've got Frankie Luvu breaking out, when you've got certainly the defensive backs we have, I think we've been able to run a Phil Snow very simplified college-style defense. And what I mean by that is Phil Snow was the type of dude who liked to have an extra defensive back on the field, and he liked to utilize those defensive backs in the run game, right? And that is part of the reason that Jeremy Chin was, A, as big of a factor as he was last year, and, B, has been missed as much as he's been missed on the IR after just a single week. Jeremy Chin is a freaking wrecking ball who plays safety. He plays safety with the same aggression and and the same amount of physicality Uh, as an outside linebacker would. And so in the snow style of defense, you would have a guy like Jeremy Chin playing the safety, but he was also running up and, and engaging himself in the run game as well. Well, that's not the style of defense that Steve Wilkes wanted to run. As the passing game coordinator, Wilkes was looking at it and saying, we just need to get away from a 3-3 with Brown playing a one technique. We need to go traditional defense and just let our guys play an NFL-style defense because we've got the talent. And frankly, if that is the case, I think Wilkes is right. I've been, I'm going to be honest with you, and maybe this is just because Phil Snow's been fired, and so I'm a little sour grapes right now. I think as good as our defense has been, there is a reason, aside from the fact that our defense up until last week has been on the field 40 out of every 60 minutes for the most part. I think a big part of the reason is Phil Snow's defense is, is not what we consider an NFL-style defense, but he's got so daggum much talent on the defensive side of the ball that that it worked. I think if you took Phil Snow and you put him on a team with an average amount of talent in the NFL, I think his defense would fail miserably. I really do. It's just not a good scheme. I think he was blessed with having, as we know we do, an immense amount of talent on the defensive side of the football. Wilkes is a defensive guy and he's got better schemes and he knows how to utilize his talent better. Watch one thing I think you're going to see him probably starting this week. You're not going to see Brown lining up as a one technique. You're going to see him alternating side to side in the shade, in the three. You're going to see him working a more traditional pass rush style interior defensive lineman because that's what he is. And Wilkes, know that. I'm going to go ahead and make the prediction now, Lonzo. We are hovering like 12 to 16 in a lot of defensive metrics right now. I'm going to bet you in three weeks, we're all going to be going, how did this defense get better? And the answer is somebody with a scheme that takes advantage of the talent that we have as opposed to relies on it.
0: All right, so I I really hope that you're absolutely right about that. The only problem that, that's going to come into play, the major problem, is the injuries that are on defense right now. If If it's the full defense, you might be right, but it's probably not going to be. So we'll see. Again, I hope your projection is correct.
1: You're listening to the Views for Midstreet Podcast, your home for all the Carolina Panthers stock that you need, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, do us a favor. Make sure, if you have not already done it, that you like and subscribe to the Views for Midstreet Podcast wherever you find your podcast on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Google Play, on Apple iTunes, or feel free on the Odyssey app. Subscribe to Views for Midstreet and don't miss an episode with Lonzo and Rob as we move through the rest of the season. So, the next question is, and I think it is very much a fair one, what is next for the Carolina Panthers after the firing of Matt Rule and Phil Snow? Where do we go from here? And I was I was trying to think about the last couple of teams that fired their coach midseason. And the last two, I, and I'm not saying I missed any. I was doing this off the top of my head before we dropped the pod. The last two I could think of were the Philadelphia Eagles and the New York Giants, right? Eagles and the Giants. The Eagles made the decision to pull the plug midseason on Jeff Lurie. Jeff Lurie got canned because things were really bad in Philly. What ended up happening after that? Well, they ended up moving on and hiring Doug Peterson. What did Doug Peterson do during his time in Philadelphia? Oh, he just won them their only Super Bowl, right? Now, it got a little sour grapes after that, and that's why Nick Sirianni is there in Philly. But after they let go, uh, after they let go of Jeffrey Lurie, they went on to get Doug Peterson, and they won a Super Bowl. But, but on the flip side, the New York Giants did the same thing. They let a coach go, and who was their next guy? Joe Judge. How did things go for Joe Judge in New York? Not well. Not well at all. So it is no guarantee that being the first team, being the first group to get into the head coaching search is going to lead to success, right? It is It is. It is not uh, a guarantee. But what it does do is is it gives you the opportunity to spend the most time finding the right guy. Part of the reason that the Eagles hire was successful of Doug Peterson is because after the Eagles fired Jeff Lurie, or excuse me, Chip Kelly, not, uh, not uh, they, I fired they fired Chip Kelly. It was Jeff Lurie that fired Chip Kelly. I'll get good at this job eventually. Uh, they fired Chip Kelly and moved on. To Doug Peterson, who led them to their only Super Bowl. And the reason why was because they went on and uh they went on and got uh now I'm blanking on the whole thing. They went on and they talked to the players. That's where I was going. They went on and talked to the players. They spoke to the players, they said, give us the candidates you're looking at. Who do you like? Like, what are you guys looking for in a coach? And they settled on Doug Peterson. Now I don't necessarily know that that will work in Carolina. Why? Because the players, from what we've been told, are already in on Matt Rule. They were still on board with Matt Rule. We've told the story nine times about them bringing the game ball to Matt Rule after the win over the Saints a few weeks back. The players were in Matt Rule's corner. They were fired, according to David Tepper, without the conversation, right? He never went to the players and said, do you guys want me to keep Matt Rule? Do you want to move on from Matt Rule? He never asked. He just made the decision. And fine, he's the owner. That's his prerogative. And frankly, I think most of us agreed with that decision. But the Eagles went after they fired Chip Kelly, and they asked about, you know, what are you guys looking for? Who do you want? And they ended up with Doug Peterson. The Giants did not do that. After they fired Ben McAdoo in season, they got Pat Shermer. That didn't work up. Then they fired Joe Judge in season, and they got Brian Dabble. How's Brian Dabble working out for the Giants right now? Well, he's 4-1, and one and he just beat the Packers. I'd say it's going okay. It gives you some advantages in that you can have a more team-wide discussion. You have more time to really compile the list of who's coming in. But I also think, and I mentioned this on the Monday pod, Lonzo, it gives you the opportunity to do a a, a more thorough evaluation of who you already have. And I'm not just talking about Steve Wilkes. I'm talking from the top down. It gives you an opportunity to do a more thorough evaluation of who's in-house, which I think gives you the best opportunity to make the right decision as to who's next.
0: Well, and the thing about who's in-house, in his uh, press conference yesterday, uh, Tepper was asked – uh, the trade line, the deadline's coming up. Is there a possibility of moving some players? So I, they're basically asking, is he willing to rebuild uh, for 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 future draft picks by moving some people out of there? So not only is there a possibility of moving out coaches, there's a possibility of moving out players. Some of the uh, some of the better players on the team. Are you willing to say, you know what, this season is a wash. We're gonna rebuild this whole thing. Uh, next year we're probably going to have a good shot at getting a, a high draft pick and it's a good quarterback crop coming out. Maybe it's time to move some guys around. That's what we're going to find out in the next couple weeks.
1: It is, as far as I'm concerned, for Steve Wilkes primarily. This isn't all the job audition, right? Nobody expects him to go out and win 10 games through the end of the year.
0: Yes, yeah, but that. How bare will the kitchen be? For him to work with.
1: I agree, but like, isn't that kind of... For for me, and we we talked about this Monday too, Like, I'm a big psychology of sports guy. Isn't that kind of the intrigue here, right? Like kind of the interest for me in Steve Wilkes taking over as uh, as the HC interim here is that things aren't great in Charlotte. And we all know that. Anybody who is trying to tell you that things are just fine is obviously a liar. They're not good. But... Don't you kind of want a head coach who can point the ship in the right direction when it's on fire, right? Like, that's kind of what I'm looking for. It is an opportunity for Steve Wilkes to say to David Tepper, things are bad, the kitchen is bare, everything's on fire, and yet I still moved us in a positive direction. Or for the flip side to come come true here, maybe – the Carolina Panthers fail with Steve Wilkes here, right? Maybe it becomes evident that the three and 13 in Arizona, maybe it wasn't just because the Cardinals were a dumpster fire. Maybe Steve Wilkes isn't that good. And you've done two things. Number one, you've eliminated Steve Wilkes from contention for that job. And number two, you got yourself a draft pick on the way.
0: All right. right. So, so who's, who's a better team? uh when he when he took them over is it Arizona or is it Carolina
1: I don't know that I could pick one of the two I really don't I mean Josh Rosen was the quarterback in Arizona is that an upgrade from an uh, from PJ Walker and Baker Mayfield
0: some would say yes
1: some would also not yeah let's not pretend yeah I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that right let's not pretend like you and I both weren't very high on Baker Mayfield when he showed up
0: by the way I still am in the right system I think he would do fine
1: and we'll see. I mean, again, I don't know. I, I, there is some level of blame on play calling. There is some level of play, like I said, at the end of the day, it is not on on Ben McAdoo to get uh, Baker Mayfield to hit open receivers. That's on Baker Mayfield. That's his job, right? So I, I, there's, some, there's some blame to go around.
0: Even against San Francisco there, and that defense, which was the number one defense, Baker was hitting some passes, and they looked good when he did. So it's not like this is a guy without talent. I might say that about Josh Rosen.
1: Right. So so and I guess that's what I'm pointing out here is was was when Wilkes took over the Cardinals, it was a mound of trash that was on fire. It was that bad and so you get the opportunity here, if you are the Panthers to either go, hey, maybe Steve Wilkes is the guy maybe he pointed Arizona fans wanted him to stay around after a three and 13 season. Maybe he is the guy, maybe Arizona was was right as a fan base and wrong as a franchise, and maybe this is the guy we should move on with, or... He stinks up the field. We lose the rest of our games. We get the number one overall draft pick, and we've eliminated the possibility of Steve Walk staying on, and we get to move on to the next round of guys. And on top of that, keep in mind, because if that's the case, and you got to fill the HC void, how much more enticing is Carolina as a head coaching spot if when you're talking to whoever your group of candidates is, you go, by the way, we want you here, and if you pick us, you get to pick the first overall draft pick in the draft this year. That is a nice little enticing piece of the puzzle. The good news is, for the first time this year, I kind of feel like we're in a win-win spot here, to be honest.
0: See, I, I get all that, and depending on how bare the cupboard is by the end of the year, if you keep the same guys, you've got some talent on the team that will also help to entice a decent coach. If you don't, If you get rid of guys and all you have to throw out there is the number one draft pick, well, you're not going to get a name. You're going to have to bring in a coordinator or you're going to have to do what you did last time and bring in a college guy because a name is going to look at this and go, I can't win with that.
1: And that is going to be interesting because coming up in the next segment, we are going to talk about this because there's a chance some of our names might be on the move. I'm not saying they will. I'm saying there's a chance, and we'll talk about that coming up here in just a couple of minutes in the very next segment. But before we get there, a couple of things, a couple of other things that I wanted to throw out there. And I wanted to talk about uh, the press conference from David Tepper just a bit. You watched a lot of it, and there were a couple of parts I'm very curious in. Uh, David Tepper said that winning breeds culture. Cool. Agree with that. But then he said he inherited a team without a winning track record. Basically, he said, hey, look, I'm the victim here. I bought a bad team. Things have been bad, and that's not on me. I bought a team that was already in the dregs, and I got to lift them up. And, 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 And my reaction to that, Lonzo, was met with near violence, and here's why. David Tepper as an owner is 23 and 47. That is the worst stretch of 70 games in the franchise's history. They were better before David Tepper got here. They were better than that. This is a team that has played in the Super Bowl, that has four NFC Championship appearances, and you're trying to sell us that you took over a dumpster fire? and are trying to fix it? My guy, we had way more success in Charlotte than we ever did until you showed up. Now, I'm not saying Tep's a bad owner. I'm certainly not saying he's a good one. I am saying this is a load of crap.
0: No, I, I agree with him to a degree. I absolutely do. Uh, the Did the Panthers go to the Super Bowl a couple times? Did they have some winning seasons? Yes, but not consistently. And, and, and pretty much not in a row. It, it, them doing well was more on the odd side than them doing poorly. And a lot of that had to do with Ron Rivera. You can go back to, like, George Seifert. There, there, there's some coaches that have not done well since – and this franchise hasn't been around that long. I mean, it's been around a couple of decades, but but still they're actually doing better than, than Jacksonville has done. when they, they, I, If I recall, they came into the league together. But they kept Ron Rivera around. He would start out, like, 1-3 four, one and five, like what's going on right now, then he would pick up and they'd win enough at the end of the season to keep him his job. And everyone was pro Rivera, who's a nice guy. By the way, I've interviewed him, he's a nice guy. But he wasn't that much more of a winner than the other guys. He just every few years he would get a good team. And this this team uh, overall, does this team have a history of winning? I would say no.
1: I mean uh, not they a have consistent been to more history. Super Bowls than the New Orleans Saints.
0: That's true. They have but been more
1: than the Atlanta Falcons.
0: Are they consistent? Every year do you go in and go, Okay, the Panthers have got a shot to to win the NFC South?
1: From two thousand and thirteen till two thousand and sixteen, the Panthers won three consecutive NFC South titles and had the sixth highest winning percentage in the NFL. So wow. now, now I'm not saying I'm not saying from three, start of the franchise three, until three tab, good
0: years. I mean, that's I mean, but yeah, OK,
1: three back to back division to th- sorry, back to back to back division titles and the sixth highest winning percentage in the NFL over that same span of time. I mean, I, I, I guess more consistency would make you the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Dallas Cowboys, maybe. But I would say we were in the middle of a heater until the Richardson stuff broke and he got forced out and Tepper took over. Which, by the way, yes, good. Uh, I'm good with there, that.
0: There was starting to be a quarterback problem then, and I think a lot of this stems to not being able to find the right quarterback for the franchise.
1: Here, here's the point that I agree, but here's here's what I'm here's what I'm saying here. Uh, David Tepper has been in charge of the team for. Five years now? Six years now?
0: By the way, you make me so sound so pro-management. <laughs> yeah, I really do. Yeah, it's, kill- it's, it's, kill- it's killing me. It's
1: interesting. Big fan of LexCore over here. Uh, David tepper has been in charge of the team for, what, five, six years now? All I'm saying is this. My man, like I know it's your team, and I know you own the team, and, and so technically you can just do whatever you want. I don't think you have really uh, earned the right – to talk down about the culture of this franchise, right? Like Tepper was, for, for, and, and I've heard this before, and again, one of those things that I've heard, multiple anecdotes, enough smoke that I justify saying that there might be a fire, but like Tepper at one point wanted to get rid of the keep pounding phrase, right? He wanted to move on to something else and had some absolute failure doozies in, in, in trying to push some new tags. Um, I don't know that you've really done enough that you can be the guy that comes in and tries to change the culture right like here's you want to know what the first thought that I had was I would love to stick David Tepper in front of Luke Keekly in front of Steve Smith in front of Jake DeLome in front of some of the Panther greats I'd love to stick him in a room with those guys and have him tell them hey this franchise a bunch of losers and I'm here to do better and just see what their reaction would be. What do we what do you think Steve Smith would say if David Tepper told him the run they had before he showed up was a bunch of losers?
0: I don't know. I think Steve kind of works for them now. So I I mean, I, I I'm not positive, but I believe he does. <laughs> so probably would have a different reaction than what you think.
1: Here's the and, and and here and I'm making jokes about it, but here's the other thing that happened that was kind of crazy to me. In that presser, and I don't know if you caught this or not, Lonzo. I feel like it would have stuck out to you, but maybe not. He took credit for bringing live music to Charlotte. Not like I brought this band or that band or did this. He took credit for bringing live music to Charlotte.
0: Did he not bring live music to Charlotte?
1: No, I'm pretty sure live music's been in
0: Charlotte for a very long time. But he brought some there.
1: I mean, he didn't say I brought some live music to Charlotte. He said I brought live music to Charlotte. He basically said Charlotte had no culture before I got here. And, and, And the problem that I have here is that David Tepper is doing a phenomenal job of claiming that everybody else is causing the problems except him. And I'm not saying they're all on him. But I'm saying, dude, you're the owner, you're responsible. Take All right. responsibility. All right. So
0: the main thing that, that I caught from the press conference was pretty much him saying he lets the football people run the football. So yeah, he makes the ultimate decision to hire the people who do the running of, of the football, But uh, operations, but it's up to those people, the people who are football people to make the thing successful.
1: I don't disagree. An
0: owner or, or or like like a VP of a place or a president, they can only do so much. They have to delegate, and the next level has to take care of it. And if disagree. the next level doesn't take care of it, yeah, ultimately it's on you, but you counted on those people to, to uh, move the thing in the right direction, and they haven't done that.
1: I don't disagree, but remember, te- uh, Matt Rule was Tepper's pick. Right. I trust you to get it done. But if you keep putting guys into that spot that can't get it done, eventually I gotta go, Yeah, but your job is to put guys there who do and so you're not doing your yeah, job. But you
0: can't fire an owner.
1: All right, let's put the finishing touches on this bad boy. The Views from Midstream Street podcast is in your ear holes right now. Rob and Lonzo with you. As we do every Wednesday, we're breaking down everything that's been going on. Make sure you're subscribed to the Views from Inch Street podcast, wherever major podcasts are found. And do us a favor, share it around on the social media. If you got friends that are Panthers fans, family that are Big Cat fans, hit them with it. Drop this in their face and let them be a part of the community. You can tweet us at the Rob Brown show and at Lonzo on word. If you want to spend a little extra time talking Panther football with us, let's get to the story that none of us want to get to. Ladies and gentlemen, the reports are beginning to fly. Albert Breer uh, is reporting That there are already teams that are making the phone calls to the Panthers after the dismissal of Matt Rule, asking about the availability of certain players. On that list, DJ Moore. On that list, Brian Burns. On that list, Christian McCaffrey. Lonzo, is there any chance... That the Panthers, if they decide that this is the time to go full on, burn it to the ground and rebuild it mode. Is there any chance we use that talent and the contracts they have to just stockpile a bazillion picks and go scorched earth and start this thing over from the soil up?
0: Oh, there's a chance. I don't know that that's such a great idea. I really don't. You already don't have anybody in the stands. You're going to get a whole lot less if you decide to take what star power you have and send it elsewhere and if all you're getting back is draft picks, then you are essentially saying, "Hey, we are tanking. We're, we're tanking for the season." By the way, see you next year. Uh, we know you're not going to come out because we've decided to, you know, three, four years down the road, we're going to be pretty good. Maybe. I just, uh, I, I I get when you liquid. you know, when you liquidate, you liquidate when you're going out of business. And I don't think it's time to go out of business yet.
1: I mean, listen, we're not making the playoffs this year. There's no chance. We cannot win the division now. Okay. And we're not getting a wild card. It just can't. Even, even with the parody in the NFL up this year, There's not a one-win team at this point in the season that's making the wild card. It's just not happening. Mathematically speaking, the odds are forever against your favor. So the question is, do we have the foundation in place right now that we can build on this offseason and be good with parts of it next year? Here's where I've kind of fallen down on this. Uh, I listen for offers on McCaffrey, okay? I listen for offers on McCaffrey, and here's why. The injury bug, I've made my, my my concerns about that noted. I'm very pleased that we've gotten through five games and McCaffrey's been available for all of them. Uh, I listen to offers on McCaffrey only because McCaffrey is going to bring you a King's ransom, right? Like if somebody wants CMC, and, and right now the reports are that the Buffalo Bills have made that call. If somebody wants CMC, they are going to have to back the Brinks truck up to my patio For what I would want for CMC. And because he's so talented. Some contender is going to pay for him. But I don't know if I go anywhere else. Unless. Unless. A player wants out. Right. If a player wants out. I'm going to let him go. I'm going to get whatever I can get for him right now. The only problem you have. Is that the only people looking to make an acquisition right now are contenders, which are guys that are giving you back-end first round, back-end second round draft picks. So there's not a ton of ransom uh, out there for some of the not Christian McCaffrey's, but guys that still have trade value, right? Here's why I bring up the if a player wants out thing, right? Uh, Steve Smith, man, he's making some cameos on the show today. Steve Smith has already said, if he was on the team right now, he'd ask out. He'd want out. Too much regime change. He knows that this team's going to be bad the rest of the year. He knows that there are some contenders that would utilize a guy like Steve Smith on a Super Bowl run. He would ask out to go make the same money elsewhere on a better team to build a legacy. And I get that. I understand. Did, did that,
0: that work out for him at last time? Uh, no. I'm just saying. I'm just but, saying. But again,
1: only one team can win a Super Bowl.
0: That's true. But uh, I, I mean... If he's saying, this is what I would do, you did that, and it didn't work for you.
1: I wouldn't say it didn't work. He made good money. He made good money. Did he, money. Won, did he win a Super Bowl? No, but again, that's not the only prize out there. There's there's some money consideration, too. The point is, there are some players that are going to look at your franchise and go, hey, you know what? This place is 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 disorganized. This place is on fire. There's a problem right now. I just don't want to deal with that. I would rather go somewhere else that I've at least got a chance. Did it work out for him? No. Was he in a better position than he was in Carolina? Yes. Without a doubt. He had a better chance there. So
0: He went somewhere else and didn't go to the Super Bowl.
1: I agree. But he had a better chance at it. And and all you can do is play the odds. So the, the point that I'm making here is, yes, if DJ Moore comes to me and says, hey, I, you're not going to get my all. I don't want to be here then, yeah, I'm going to go get the best I can get for him. If Robbie Anderson wants out, if Ian Thomas wants out, or any of these guys that are under contract want out, I will absolutely listen to an offer. But I am not putting them out there, right? I'm not making calls going, Robbie's up on the block, DJ's on the block, you know, Brian's on the block. What do you want? What do you want? I- I'm not I'm not doing that. If they want out, I'll give it to him. McCaffrey is the only guy that I would dangle. And I'm not even saying I would trade him. I'm saying I would dangle because if you're a buffalo and you're going you know what that would be that would be a big piece for us right like we're on the verge that would be a good piece but more importantly if you're buffalo and then also uh Kansas City gets i'm not saying they would but a Kansas Kansas City gets involved or uh Miami looks and goes, you know what? When Tua gets back, we're going to have some ground to make up from where we were after we let the Jets score 40 on us. What the hell? Uh, We could use a guy like a CMC. Maybe you start a little little bit of a bidding war and you drive up the price of a guy who's had injury concerns and isn't going to be the same guy forever and you you now all of a sudden, not only do you have an early round draft pick next year, but now you got maybe two or three of those over the next couple of years. I dangle CMC out there. Outside of that, I'm not making a move.
0: All right. So during the offseason before the season started, when when Carolina was looking for a quarterback, all the rumors were that CMC would have been part of a package to bring in a better quarterback. That didn't work. And and a lot of those Rumors were denied. There's no way. So when you were actually looking for another player and could have traded arguably your most talented player on your team, you did not do that. Why do it now?
1: Because you're in a different era of your team now. The only only thing that's
0: changed is the coach.
1: This is a...
0: You had expectations before the season started... You weren't willing to trade him then. The only reason why you trade him now is you're going for a complete rebuild.
1: Right. That's what I'm saying. This 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 is going to be a point in time, good, bad, ugly, or indifferent. In you know, views from Mint Street episode 950 in a couple of years, good or bad, we're going to be looking back at this week in Panthers history and going, we fired Rule and then, right? We're either going to find our... Peterson or we're going to walk into a Pat Shermer like one of those two things is going to happen and we're going to look back and talk about how we got it right or how we made the wrong pick and we just pushed uh, our, our 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 questionable decision making further along but if you are going to go in right now right you got a new coach coming in and keep in mind as we mentioned back in the first segment the other aspect of this is not only are you going to have your first-round draft pick, but the more of those over the next couple of years that you can add to the mix. If there is, he's not coming. But if there is a conversation that, let's say, theoretically starts with a guy like Sean Payton, the more that you can tell Sean, hey, we got XYZ picks, so you can go find your next Camara, You can go find your next Michael Thomas the more likely they are to show up in a program right now that, like it or not, from the outside looking in, doesn't really have that much of an attractive nature to it.
0: All right, we're not going to agree on this because I would think that Sean Payton, if he were considering the team, he would look at the talent that was there now, who he's played against, and knows what they can do on the field and would be more apt to come to the team if that talent was there rather than, hey, look, all those guys are gone, but we got a bunch of draft picks.
1: I mean, the only—I think the only player we're talking about right now is McCaffrey, right? Like, I, he's I,
0: the—he's ma- the major one, absolutely. Right.
1: Christian McCaffrey is 26 years old, right? He has missed way more games than he's played in for the last couple of years. He's hey, great! I love that we've gotten to week five and he hadn't been busted up yet. That's fantastic, right? Like, he didn't do that last year. He was already missing, MIA at this point last year. Yeah. He would absolutely fit exceptionally well into a Sean Payton-designed office. Again, Payton's not coming, so let's let's all ease our jets here. But if Payton was going to be the guy, McCaffrey would fit perfectly into that. I don't disagree with that. But I can also tell you a coach like Sean Payton is going to be intrigued having three or four first-rounders over two years because he's going to believe I can hit like I did with Alvin Kamara, like I did with Michael Thomas, like I did with Marcus Colston down in New Orleans. I can find that guy who's younger and cheaper, and let's be put more money elsewhere. Because the other part of that is it's a lot of money to keep CMC on the bankroll.
0: Or he can look at it, okay, and there's a good shot that this happens, that the Panthers are going to get that number one draft pick, and you still got CMC. You can bring in that quarterback. You've already got the running back. You've got an offensive line that is looking much better than projected and has managed to stay together all this time and is going to be really, really good by the end of the season, I mean, why not?
1: All right, so what are you guys' reaction? Is it time for a fire sale? Do we stockpile a fort's worth of picks By letting go of Brian Burns, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey. Do you maybe dangle McCaffrey, but nobody else? Are you looking for disgruntled players who might want to move on? What are your thoughts as to where the Carolina Panthers should go from here? Hit us up on Twitter at the Rob Brown show at Lonzo and give us your thoughts. Remember the next episode of the pod will drop on Friday, baby. And on Friday, we take a look ahead to the LA Rams. And this will be interesting because we don't know what this team's gonna look like on Sunday with Steve Wilkes as the interim head coach. But you daggum right, we're gonna dig in between now and Friday. That pop will drop Friday. We'll have that full breakdown. Lonzo Retzel, any final words for the people?
0: Yeah, take heart. Keep pounding. It's gonna be okay. And despite what Rob says, the team's not gonna be dismantled.
1: Stop, 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 stop trying to make me look like the bad guy. Stop it. I'm a good guy, all right? I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and daggabbit, people like me. All right, guys, new pod drops on Friday. We'll see you then. Until then, Rob Brown, Lonzo Wrights will share us around on the social. It's views from Mint Street Keep pounding, baby.